internet on Wednesday night, so welcome to folks. Uh, 16 countries were watching us last uh, week, uh, as well as uh, several hundred in the area here, so uh, welcome to all of you. Uh, if you ever want to come on down to Union Grove, uh, Wisconsin, might be a bit of a trek if you live in one of those 16 countries, but uh, love to have you here, of course. But uh, welcome to our folks. It's always good to see you. A uh, lot's been going on this week, for, to say the least, so we'll spend, um, I'm going to try to get into Acts tonight, and we will. Um, I'm, I'm going to get it nailed down a little bit, so we'll probably spend a good half an hour giving you some updates. Uh, those of you, how many of you were able to hear, what was we on, what were we on today? Crosstalk. Uh, 2 o'clock p.m. Crosstalk, I have some of you that heard that program. Um, well, let's pray and I'll uh, start chatting. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for watching over your people. And uh, Lord, it's uh, we know the things that are taking place around the world, specifically in Israel right now, are very, very troubling. Uh, the whole Middle East, of course, with uh, significant issues, which is, of course, leading into other countries, including the United States of America as we speak. So... Lord, we ask that uh, you'd watch over us. We pray that, uh, speaking of our country, Lord, that you'd help us to stay strong, help us to stay resolute in serving you, regardless of uh, the things that might be happening in other places and protests and so forth. Lord, help us to keep our minds fixed on you. Uh, Lord, not to uh, let our guard down, so to speak, but uh, to ever be vigilant, if you will, about spreading the word of God telling folks the gospel, which is the only thing that can truly change a heart and a life. So, Father, we do pray for the peace of Israel as we speak. Uh, pray that you give us wisdom and understanding. And, Lord, uh, some of these things are very emotional and they're very difficult for people to try and understand, especially in our culture. So, Father, I pray that you'd bless our time together, make it worthwhile for everyone. And, Lord, as we open up the Word of God and uh, get into Acts uh, chapter 22 in a few moments i pray that you'd bless our study of the word pray that you'd watch over our our team groups and young people groups as they meet and uh, lord that uh, you'd help the leadership as they disciple the young people and uh, of course for the visitors and others that may not know christ might they find him before they leave here this evening bless those watching near and far on the internet and uh, we just commit all this to you and all God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right, good to see uh, some of you are back. I've been away. And uh, let's see, any visitors tonight? Tammy, who's your, who's your visitor? I'm sorry? My sister, Lisa. Your sister, Lisa. Well, great to have you. Where are you from? New Berlin. New Berlin. All right. Very good to have you. Anyone else I miss? I don't think so. Uh, right here next to Tammy. He's got a book for you, so he's trying to find, uh, there you go. Very good. Well, good to see you folks tonight. Uh, we're going to get into Prophecy Focus Global Update and go through some of the things that are taking place. Tremendous amount of dynamics uh, are happening literally minute by minute right now. So we're going to go through some of that, but before we do, I wanted to, I had another article which has nothing to do with Israel, that uh, hopefully you can see the, I thought it was big enough the way I did it, that you can see it. 
the issue about the biblical worldview and who does and, and does not hold to it in our basically within the United States today. So the shift in biblical worldview is actually, it, it doesn't seem like a lot when you look at the numbers. I mean, it's horrible, quite frankly, but uh, we're seeing a continual downtrend away from a biblical worldview. So we've, we've talked about this several times. So this actually uh, comes from the American Worldview Inventory by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. They actually work with Pew Research, and uh, a lot of the statistics come out of this uh, uh, Arizona Christian University, again, in cooperation with Pew Research. So uh, basically, when we're looking at worldview issues and the top line, integrated disciples possess a biblical worldview based on scores related to beliefs and behavior. In 2020, only 20 or 6% Basically, we're holding to a biblical worldview. I'd thrown out the number about 4% of people in uh, America hold to a biblical worldview, uh, uh, and I, I specifically researched this out, so we had some documentation where that number came from. Uh, apparently, someone had been watching, I forget if they were here on the internet, and had questioned the statistics, like, well, where did that come from? And uh, this is where. So, 4% emergent followers possess a significant position of a biblical worldview based on scores related to beliefs and behavior, but not enough to qualify as having a biblical worldview. So uh, that even is declining 25% to 14%, so a significant downturn. World citizens who possess a worldview other than a biblical worldview, but might have a few beliefs and behaviors that are consistent with biblical principles. So 82%. So when you add up, 82%, nothing even close to a biblical worldview. 14% uh, adopt part of it, and 4%, which I trust are the part of the 4% is sitting in this room tonight, are folks that clearly hold to a biblical worldview. So when you're, you're looking at things, when we're looking at uh, the global update that we're looking at, it's no surprise that there's tremendous amount of controversy and there's things that you're going to hear uh, in the media and other places that are like, well, how come so many people aren't on the same page you are? Well, it's because you're about 4% that believe in a, in a conservative biblical worldview that literally believes the Word of God. When I was on the radio today, those of you that listen, what really, really stuck out to me, so we do about a half an hour um, Jim Schneider and I dialogue regarding <clears throat> the, the situation in Israel and he drills me very quickly and I talk fast to try and get everything in. The last 30 minutes though were questions from people from around the country. Uh, uh, that particular program uh, airs on multiplicity of stations around the United States. The folks that were able to get through, and the, the phone lines were jammed the entire time, but the majority of those that got through, uh, those of you that were listening can kind of back this up, were people who were basically questioning biblical prophecy. And uh, it, it, by the time we got to the end, it was like when uh, Jim asked me to give a synopsis of it, it just, it, it really pains me to know that the majority, uh, or a great deal at least, I don't want to overstate it, but a great deal of Christians today have no idea what Bible prophecy, what's, what's in there. 
Uh, and, and it's like, well, where are they getting their information from? So uh, they questioned uh, one of the big things. So uh, uh, when we're interpreting Bible prophecy, and this is for those watching outside of the church as well as inside here, you folks are very familiar. I go through it continually. When you interpret the scriptures, whether it's prophecy or otherwise, when you interpret the Bible, there's four key things, and I always beat the four th key things into us. Uh, we look at the historical background, the contextual background, the grammatical background, and then we always interpret the Bible literally. That is the huge issue that came out on the broadcast today is people allegorizing and spiritualizing the Scripture. Um, two callers, at least, that I can remember called in. They're like, uh, someone had said, well, uh, the United States of America not being in Bible prophecy. Why is that? And then a couple of people said, well, you know, we think the Bible or the United States of America is in Bible prophecy. One person used Jimmy DeYoung's line, and, and I think they were serious, though, about it. They're like, well, of course the USA is in Bible prophecy. It's the three middle letters in Jerusalem, you know, J-E-R-U-S-A-L-E-M. And I'm like, I thought he was trying to be funny, but I, I, it came off as dead serious, like because USA is, is in the letters are in Jerusalem, therefore it must be in Bible prophecy. And I'm like, wow, okay. Um, two other callers, basically, they, they were spiritualizing, diff allegorizing different. One was saying, well, Judah is, is America. Well, no, Judah is Judah, folks. It's a, Judah is not America. And somebody else came up with, uh, I, I couldn't even quite understand what he said was America. But uh, uh, folks, God, well, here's the big thing. If we want to have confusion in the church and we want to make things up as we go, uh, instead of taking the Bible literally, go at it, right? And, and you can decide what you want the Bible to mean. But is that proper way to exegete the scriptures? I, I would suggest that's a very poor way to do it. You'll never know what truth is if you can change it. God meant what he said. Uh, so Jim basically brought that out. And it's like, well, all you've got to do is read the Bible. Well, and he's right, but you got to go a little bit beyond that statement. The people that are coming up with these kind of erroneous conclusions, they read the Bible too, but they read it in a different way than the four key things that I just mentioned, historical, contextual, grammatical, literal interpretation. And again, every time I go literal, somebody's going to write me and say, well, you know, there's parables in the Gospels. Yes, parables are in the Gospels, and they are symbolic, and Jesus calls them parables. So yes, parables are stories about a truth. The other issue is apocalyptic-style writing. You're like, what are you talking about? Most of you here know what it is, but those watching, it may be new to, the, to you. Apocalyptic-style writing is like in Revelation where God talks about dragons and he talks about beasts and they're symbolic of things. And God always defines what they are. In other words, when he talks about the dragon, he's, and most of you can answer the question, when he's talking about uh, uh, the dragon in Revelation, who's he talking about? Satan, the devil. And he defines that in two different spots in uh, later in Revelation, the last couple of chapters. He, he, he spells it out. The, or the, um, the serpent of old, the great dragon, the devil, and Satan. So four different synonymous terms he uses to describe uh, who 
uh, Satan is, the devil is, the, the dragon, or, the, or so forth. Uh, we talk about the beast. Who's the beast in Revelation? You almost scared me. Nobody was answering there. You got it. Uh, the Antichrist in Revelation 13, starting in verse 11, it talks about another beast. Who's the other beast? Paul's prophet. There you go. Uh, and it defines that later in Scripture. He talks about uh, a Satan, the Antichrist, which he does call the beast, and then the false prophet. So, uh, it, again, the Bible is not meant to be so difficult that we can't get it. But on the other hand, God did make it so loose that you can make whatever interpretation you want. I want to comment on one more person that called in. And basically, uh, the person said this, well, why would you want to confine God to one specific thing? In other words, to one interpretation. Don't you want to give God the latitude to mean what he wants to mean at whenever he wants to mean it? And it's like, well, if that's the way God intended it to be written, in other words, you make it up as you go along and you change based on culture and all that, but that's not what God did. God wrote specific things to specific people at specific times with a very, very specific meaning, and it doesn't change. So, again, that's a lot of the covenant reformed type way of interpreting Scripture. Again, uh, I, I, I try to be kind, and I believe I was kind. I, I, when I disagreed, I, I usually said I disagreed. Uh, respectfully disagree, and I do respectfully. I'm not trying to get in an argument or a fight with people, but Boy, uh, the have we been talking about biblical literacy here? Like we've been pounding it. Uh, biblical literacy. Why is it important? Because man, if you if I can pick up a songbook and make it say what I want it to say, right? What's the difference between the Bible and a songbook if you make it up as you go along? Well, everything was meant for a reason. So. My little hobby horse tonight, but anyway, this just speaks to that. 4% of people have a biblical worldview, and even among those with a quote-unquote biblical worldview, you've got these divergence of opinions on what Scripture is saying. Uh, and again, if you do it historical, grammatical, contextual, literal, you won't have that problem. All right, so let's talk about what's happening in Israel. Uh, where was our president today? He's in Israel. I mean, I'm. I, I was thinking about that. Why? Why was the uh, we, we have one of our uh, aircraft carriers, of course, in the Middle East, and now it makes a lot of perfect sense. I'm sure this was planned well before a few minutes ago. Uh, you had to have the fighter jets and all. It's like you're you're flying the president into a place that loves to shoot rockets into the air. It's like it, it's like almost ludicrous that you would do that uh, send a, regardless whether you love her or don't love the president it's like it's like almost like a suicide mission if you don't have proper security set up so I mean all of our fighters were there the Israeli fighters were there obviously they got Air Force One in and down and up and out uh, without a hitch but uh, I mean, you just don't fly Air Force One into into the Middle East if you don't have, I mean, a tremendous amount of air power uh, ready. But let's go through a little bit of the things. <clears throat> I'll tell you what I believe was a positive and what I believe was questionable. And uh, headlines from the Associated Press, Israel will let Egypt deliver some aid to Gaza as doctors struggle to treat hospital blast victims. 
All right, there's two major issues right here. And again, I watch this stuff probably way too much. <laughs> uh, I have a, a particular source I almost get probably every 15 minutes to half an hour I get serious updates on what's happening from a source that's in Israel who is also an intelligence officer who is also part of the IDF so pretty good stuff oh yes and he is a Messianic Christian as well uh, very well uh, um, good credentials but even he makes a mistake now and then but at least he admits to it and uh, we'll try and fix it as soon as possible but here's what we know and here's what we kind of know right now. So how many of you are aware that a hospital in Gaza was a hit? All right. Now, here's where it would get real interesting. If I gave everybody a piece of paper and I said, write down how many casualties there were at the hospital. Some of you will have one specific number, and I'm sure we will have a very eclectic number that would come out of this. How many, of, how many believe when you walked in and, and right now, I mean at this minute, that 500 people were killed in that hospital? All right, we've got multiple people. How many believe that's a significant number less than 500 was killed in the hospital? All right, so these are the ones that watch the other sources, okay? So it's, it, here's the issue. It starts out, and, and by the way, uh, and again, this, I'm, I'm not getting political here. I'm simply telling the news and, and, the, and the, I'd like to say the facts, but I don't even know the facts right now on some of this stuff. Uh, so the hospital, something happens. Now, those of you that had opportunity to watch the videos of the Palestinians shooting the rockets at the moment the hospital was hit, the videos, and I've seen probably half a dozen different clips now, you watch, the, you watch the rocket, there's about, I don't know, there's multiple rockets that are being shot, they're, they're headed towards Israel and of course the Iron Dome. Anybody, okay, I shouldn't say that. When we talk about the Iron Dome, most of you probably understand what that is. It's not a literal Iron Dome, all right? It's not a dome that covers Israel, which some people honestly think. The Iron Dome is anti-ballistic missiles that they call the Iron Dome. So in other words, you shoot a rocket up, the Iron Dome then, which is nothing more than an anti-missile, uh, uh, ballistic missile firing machine, whatever they call it. Anyway, it's they, the Iron Dome senses through electronics and all that, there's a missile coming up, then the Iron Dome, boom, it shoots a missile up and bam, hopefully they hit it before it hits Israel. Okay, make sense? That's all it is. I mean, it, it's a lot. By the way, each one of those anti-ballistic uh, rockets, at least the last time I heard, cost about $100,000 for one. They're shooting thousands and thousands of those over the last several days. So does it get expensive? Oh, yes. All right. So let's get back to the hospital. You're watching as the missiles are coming out of rockets coming out of Gaza, all of a sudden, you see one come up, and it makes a very sharp turn and hits whatever it hits. So the best intelligence that I've seen is they were shooting it actually from a cemetery behind the hospital. That's where one of their ballistic, or one of their firing places is. Anyway, the missile goes up, misfires, so to speak, comes back down and hits somewhere 
in the parking lot of the hospital and the shrapnel and whatever goes flying everywhere. So if you see the actual photos, the, the parking lot outside the hospital, there's a bunch of cars there. They're decimated, I mean burned up. There's no hole, there's no, like a bomb went off. It's obviously a missile that did it. So here's where the conflicting report comes in. If you look at the hospital building, there's a little section in uh, one of the corners. It didn't take the building out, but it took out one particular area from shrapnel. So the, the, the Palestinians, of course, this is like a home run for them. Israel bombed our hospital. So that's where that came from. 500 casualties, that sounds like a good number. 500 casualties, Israel bombed our hospital. By the way, those that uh, are watching on the internet or that want to take my voice clip out of context, that's not what I believe, and if you play it, I'll find you. Anyway, um, here's, here's what really happened, though. All right, so whatever happened, the shrapnel goes. The, the original report's coming in like there's no way on earth you get 500 casualties from this type of a, a rocket misfire, and especially where it landed. So that's where I don't know what truth is uh, at this point. I've heard as low as about 100 to 250 uh, potential that were killed in this, up to the number 500, which I seriously believe based on the sources, which all came from uh, the Palestinian side, is a gross overstatement. Regardless, I hate when one person is murdered, much less... 250 or 500. It's the issue is who is who who came to Israel today? President Biden. Where else was he supposed to go today besides Israel? Jordan. All right. So I think I got a map here. Yeah, I do. All right. So I'm going to get up and look at the screen for a minute here. All right, so you can't really see it on here, but all right, so here's Israel. This is what's known as the West Bank, and then you got the Jordan River that flows down here. Now, the issue being uh, the president was going to be on this side of the Jordan, which is basically non-Israeli territory. It's, it's Jordan. Now, Jordan claims when I say claims, I am very seriously saying claims to be sympathetic to the Christian community. And uh, after I spent time in detention there, I wonder why that happened. Anyway, uh, the bottom line is the president was to go into Palestinian territory, which is Jordan, which is literally, you see it on the map, right across the Jordan River from Israel. Well, as soon as the hospital event took place, guess what happened to his meetings with the heads of state from three different Arab countries? Canceled, no go. Because who was blaming the attack, or who did Gaza blame the attack on? Well, they blamed it on the Palestinians, and obviously President Biden is pro-Israel, and therefore no go on any kind of talks with the Arab states. Now, folks, you can read into this all you want. I can read into all, all I want. All I know is this. They canceled the meeting. Did not happen. They did not take President Biden into Jordan. They said, don't show up, buddy. Not interested. Why that happened or if it was a front, don't know. Okay? Here's what I do know. 
because most of you probably have watched uh, the interview that President Biden did while he was in Israel. On the positive side, he was very, very pro-Israel. We're here, we're your friends, you know, this is a terrible, horrible thing that happened to you. Uh, he compared it to 9-11 in the States on basically multiple times over based on the population, the, the horrible carnage that you suffered. Very good, very, I, I think, very sincerely given. Uh, the one thing, and uh, those listening to the radio today, and I'm trying to be careful, but I'm, I'm careful with caveats. I was very disturbed by one thing that was said. You say, well, what's that? Why did he go there? Well, you got to be blunt. You don't get a president of the United States hopping a plane, going to a war zone just because he's a great guy and a nice guy and all that. There's political reasons why you do something like that. You just got to be honest, folks. Okay. So, assuming that's true, what took place in that, in that statement that he made that kind of made you go, seriously? A hundred million dollar statement was made. I, I was, I actually, I was, I was at a, an appointment and I'm waiting and I'm watching this on the TV and I just catch a hundred million dollars goes to Gaza and I'm like, does that mean for our military or their mil or uh, Israeli military or what's the hundred million folks? How many got a hundred million dollars laying around, right? I mean that's big money. Oh, it's your money, by the way, too. Did I say that? Hundred million of your dollars is going to Gaza. Well, what does that mean? It's going to Gaza. It's going to the people of Gaza that Israel is in a war with right now. So it's like. Okay, and I know from a Christian standpoint, yes, we should treat all people wonderfully, fairly, uh, and so forth. I'm not against that, but it's like, wait a minute. You go to Israel, you're telling them how much we love them, care for them, and are going to support them, and then on that same interview, you say you're going to give $100 million to the people in Gaza because the people in Gaza, his statement, they're, they don't believe in basically what Hamas is doing. Oh, really? You, you see, though, the border between Gaza and, and Egypt is open for work every single day. If they, if they hated what was going on there, move. You know, and, and it's like, am I being cynical a bit? Because $100 million of your tax dollars just went into, into Gaza or will be going there. And then he made this statement, and we don't know what the number is yet, that between Ukraine and Israel, there will be several billion dollars of your tax dollars going there as well. Well, again, as Christians, I support Israel. It's like, we've got to do what we've got to do. But it's just all of this political jargon to try and get the Palestinians to like the president, Israel to like the president, and it, it just is a little suspect. All right. So whether you love or don't love President Biden isn't the isn't the issue. But I don't like my tax dollars being used for certain things. But it's not my call because I don't run Washington. We the people do not. Oh, I'll just stop there. Anyway. <laughs>
So, you got to do what you got to do to get reelected or attempt to get reelected. Oh, by the way, should Christians vote? You know, I hear all the time Christians saying, ah, you know, I hate this can. I hate all the candidates. We're not voting for a pastor. <laughs> We're voting for the person that's going to control whether you got religious freedom. You're, you're voting for somebody who's going to determine uh, 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 issues. Say what? Yeah, you know, whether uh, in that, I, I don't know if you win with any of them right now on that issue with abortion, but I, I mean, when, we're, when you go to vote, and I hope you do, and I'm not telling you who to vote for. I mean, you can kind of figure out where I'm going to be uh, at from uh, the positions I hold. But folks, everything should be based on what view, which is what we started out with today. What kind of a view should we have? Well, I, I would suggest a biblical worldview is the way to go. And a biblical worldview, yes, we are for peace. We aren't for going out and doing what Hamas did in raping, butchering, beheading, slaughtering, barbaric behavior. I cannot support that. And I don't know, I doubt there's a person in this room who would support that. It's It's horrific. So, again, um, there, it's highly emotional, it's highly charged, and it's like, well, Pastor, why are you taking a hard stand? Why are you going on the radio and TV constantly with this stuff? Well, folks, because I, I, I believe in a couple of things. Scripturally, we can do things the right way. We can do things that are honoring to God that... Uh, if we're in a war, you don't give money to the other side right now. It's, it's just, in my opinion, it's inappropriate, but my opinion is an opinion, and, and it definitely doesn't count, and my opinion definitely is not going to affect anything. But I want people to think. I want all of us to think. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And when we go to the polls next November, we need to think about all these things and uh, check out the candidates, where they stand, what they believe, what they're spending your money on. How many of you went to work today? Or at least have a job. You might not have worked today because of whatever reason. You might have had the day off. All right. Every time you go to work, who are you giving money to? The government. I mean, a whole lot of my money over the years is, is it used to be sitting in Washington, but now it's already been spent because we're trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. And... Okay, don't get me going now. Stop. Stop pushing me. All right, so what is all this leading to? And I'll, and I'll stop my little rant. Revelation 13. This is what this is all setting the stage to get to. By the way, has the rapture happened yet? I'm still here, I, and I'm a believer, so I thoroughly believe the rapture has not happened yet. Until the rapture takes place, should we stop fighting thinking the rapture could happen any moment? It could happen today. But should we stop fighting and doing what we need to do just because it could be imminent? The Apostle Paul thought it was coming 2,000 years ago. It's 2,000 years later. I think it's happening tonight, but I'm probably, hard to, hard to say, but I might be wrong. So we, we got to keep doing what we got to keep doing until we all of a sudden... 
we see Jesus in the air and all of us going up together and, and then we can stop fighting, but not until then. And I don't mean fighting by taking out an AK whatever and, and blowing people away. By fighting, I mean getting the gospel out, telling folks about Christ, living a life that's pleasing to him. Folks, and this is dead serious. I, I had a couple the other day, and, and, and it touched me. And there's a lot of young people, quite frankly, that it's like the last thing they want is the rapture. They haven't been married yet. They, you know, they haven't had their children yet. And it's like, oh, I, I don't really want it. I was the same way. I, you know, I've been into prophecy forever today. And it's like before I married Valerie, it's like, come on, Lord, just slow down a little bit. I want to get married. I want to have my kids. And, you know, I want to have my dog at home. And uh, my parents wouldn't let me have a dog. That's why. Anyway. But, you know, all these things that we look forward to as, as young people, and it's like, ah, oh, the rapture's going to wreck all that. Well, it's not really going to wreck anything. You probably will be pretty happy in heaven when you're with Christ. But young people, it's hard for them to comprehend that. But one young person, basically, it's like, you know, all of a sudden I got to thinking about it. You know, what if that does happen? And, you know, there, I'm not going to tell you the reason the person got a little bit sad about it, but it was like, yeah, because, folks, it's going to happen. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. It really is. So if it does, then, yeah, this, this world has got a problem, huge problem. All right, I forgot where I was even going to go with this. But, again... Don't take everything you read as gospel, even your good sources. Give it a day or two to pan out, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's bad out there, folks. Now, here's the last thing I should say on this subject, and then we'll get into Acts. If you watch the different news sources, or if you have a specific source that does multiple different venues, America Today, oh, did anything happen at the Capitol today in the United States of America? Was there an incursion into the Capitol today by pro-Palestinian people? I was very happy to see that the Capitol Police actually arrested those who came in there uh, after they refused to leave and stopped their protest after they were kindly asked to leave. All right, so they did the right thing. We'll see how much press that gets compared to what happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bottom line, though, they stopped it, so good job on the Capitol Police. Watch your news. See what's going on. See where the main urban protests are taking place. See the thousands and thousands of protesters with green flags that are lining up all across the world in various countries. You've heard it. I'm just supporting the statement. The amount of individuals that have come through the Canadian open doors when the refugee issue is going on in um, Syria, specifically a place called, what's, what's the, the biblical city in Syria that has a significant or a prophetic uh, issue? Starts with a D, Damascus. When Damascus was having a half a million of their people slaughtered and all of a sudden we had young men 
coming in through the northern open borders, hundreds of them. Where's mom? Where's dad? Where's your wife? Where's the kids? And all of a sudden, you've got a massive amount of individuals coming up from the north and coming into America. What about our southern border? Who knows? But uh, uh, Jim Schneider brought up an article today about individuals that were on the no-enter list that had been arrested trying to come in through our southern border. Folks, there are, we don't even know how many cells there are within America right now. I mean, it's almost impossible to track based on massive amount of individuals and illegals and whatever in our country. So, again, I'm not trying to say get scared, you know, whoa, how are we ever going to survive? That's where a lot of people go. I don't suggest you go there. I do suggest that you write to your congressmen, your senators, your police, your chiefs of police in your areas, your sheriffs, and, and uh, just remind them about security issues. I'll close with this little statement or a scenario that came up last Friday. We had intelligence, open source intelligence, meaning you can find it on the internet. You don't have to have some super secret sleuth from the FBI, CIA, or another police organization to find it. Open source, meaning you anyone can find it if you're reading the right internet site. So I'm, I'm reading about uh, the head of Hamas, and it actually was on television, that was making the statement on, I believe it was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday of last week, that on Friday they wanted this massive violent outbreak to occur across the world in retaliation, basically, for what uh, the, the Israel's doing to uh, Hamas. So... Being that I happen to have a law enforcement background, I called up the Racine County Sheriff's Office who do the patrols here at our church. So I called them up and said, hey, you know, um, I'm Rich Schmidt, former sheriff of Milwaukee County. I've, I'd like to get some patrols here on Friday and Sunday. And uh, they're like, well, okay, why? And I'm like, well, basically because uh, all of the terrorist groups are being put on high alert and asked to cause problems in every city and country around the world. And they're like, we'll have a deputy call you. I'm like, fine, have him call me. He does call, so I give him credit. He said, hey, uh, Pastor Rich, how you doing? Man, I'm great. Um, he said, well, I, 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 what's, what, what's, what's the issue? And I said, well, I said, are, uh, I'm are you familiar with uh, what's going on in Israel and uh, the Hamas issue? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm way up to speed on that. I'm like, oh, great. Well, wonderful. Uh, I'm like, you're aware of what's supposed to happen this Friday then? Well, no, what's supposed to happen this Friday? Well, I said the head of uh, uh, the basically those that control the group has asked for a nationwide, worldwide day of violence on Friday. He's like, where'd you see that? He had no clue. Neither did his organization, neither do most police organizations, because those of us that stay at home and read, I guess, get more information than the intelligence community do. Ooh, that was a little bit of a kick, wasn't it? <laughs> so I said, listen, brother, I said, I, I, he's like, do you have documentation? I'm like, yeah, I actually do. I'll be sending it to you shortly. And he's like, well, just, just text it to me. 
So I texted him the interview with the head of Hamas, uh, or actually the head over Hamas that's been pushing this. I sent him the actual news clip as well as the video of it. And then I encouraged him to contact a group called, which he's Racine County and every other county in Wisconsin is part of, and quite frankly, every county in the country is part of. I said, call Haida, H-I-D-T-A, and get a hold of them because they have an intelligence section and see if they know what's going on. I never did get a response because it's embarrassing that uh, those that should be professional law enforcement protecting us don't always know what's going on because they don't get the intelligence. Why did Israel get attacked? Because the intelligence community in Israel, the most secure place on earth, failed, and that's how Hamas got in. When you get weary and well-doing, when you get complacent, guess what happens? Tragedy. Enough said? You're like, no, we like this. Let's give, give, we want some more. But uh, it, it is serious stuff, folks. So, uh, again, my, uh, what do you do? And that's what Jim asked me at the end. What do you say to Christians? What I say to Christians is, yeah, okay, uh, there's things going on. They're going to continue to go on until Jesus comes to take us home. What do Christians need to do? Number one, pay attention to what's going on. If uh, it's like see something that came out of uh, basically the terrorism back in 9-11. See something, say something. It's one of the few things the government did that I actually, I shouldn't say that, I like a lot what the government's done, but see something, say something. And, and I'm, I'm, okay, I, I don't, I, I try not to get negative, but I do. And it's easy to get negative, but I'm thankful we live in our country. I'm thankful for the freedom we have. I'm thankful that nothing happened on Friday. I'm thankful that our police agencies and our sheriff's office and others uh, uh, are listening and they are patrolling and, and they are doing what they need to do right now. So uh, it's easy to get negative, but uh, I do appreciate what takes place and the support that they've given us. I, I appreciate Sheriff Smaling greatly. Uh, I knew him when I was in office. And uh, by the way, he's, he allowed us to have services during COVID uh, with, uh, you know, do things right, keep your distance, all that kind of thing. But when others counties were saying you cannot meet, Sheriff Schmeling said, I will not arrest you or your people. And I said, well, that's wonderful and appreciate that. So uh, I do love these people and they've been very supportive of us in 